camping season is here, inspiring us to gather around the fire to tell our most terrifying tales. But as the flames die down and we peer into the darkness, what if something out there is looking back? Today, we're sharing stories about haunted campgrounds. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like dreamscapes. Road trolls. Predictive dreaming. Underground cities. Out-of-body experiences. Ancient underground alien colonies. (laughs) That's very specific. Ghost sucks. Shadow people. Mars anomalies. Real-life gremlins. Alien abductions. Dogmen. Time travel. Hollow Earth theory. All that stuff. All that stuff and more. Lots more. I'm Christina Callery. And I'm Seth Jablon. And today, we're sharing stories about... Spooky campgrounds. Spooky haunted Haunted campgrounds. Paranormal campgrounds. Campfire stories. Yes. Um, it's that time again. Yes, yes. <laughs> Becoming one of my favorite topics to do. It's just like, I don't know, it like I feel like it gets to the like quintessence of storytelling, right? Sitting around a fire telling spooky stories. Like it's probably been something in our DNA. for in our DNA, right? Yeah. Thousands sure. thousands and thousands of years of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and thanks so, to Tim for the spooky campfire uh, sound effects. Oh, yes, yes. We're going to a little bit of sound effects in this one. So grab a cozy blanket, something to drink. Yep. Beverage of choice. And uh, gather around. Um, cool. Well, so we're, we're doing campfire stories, but we're specifically doing campgrounds, right? Like that's part of the idea, like camp and... Yeah, camping the- site. Camping sites, um, campsites. Yeah, I took it pretty loosely in mind. Yeah, okay. But just places where people camp in general. Yeah, yeah, I mean the same. I thought there'd be more like summer camp stuff. And like, I don't know, I didn't find exactly a lot of like, um, you know, specific, you know, haunted like summer camps. You know, there was like obviously right. ones where like bad stuff happened, but not necessarily ones that were like straight up haunted. I'm sure they're out there. I just, oh, I, mean, I was a little surprised that I couldn't find them more readily. But yeah, if you guys are... have any camp like summer camp oh, yeah. haunting yeah, stories, yeah, yeah, totally. please send them in. Please, we'll do a please. whole episode about that. <laughs> yeah, That'd totally. be awesome. Um, cool. So yeah, I mean, I've got two. I know you've got a few. Do you want to kind of like go back and forth, or what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you think's good? Um, yeah, maybe we'll just, maybe... Um, yeah, you want to kick us off and then I'll sure. do one and then... Okay, all right. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Let's okay, do it. let me pull my stories up here. Okay. Um, okay, so this this first one's kind of interesting to me just because, like, of the way I think I heard about it originally, which was through a film. Um, but basically, this first story is about um, Grace Brown and the Big Moose Lake haunting. Um, yeah, so this, this first story, you know, it's, it's kind of centered around a scandalous and subsequently uh, somewhat famous murder ever to take place in upstate New York. 
and that was the murder of Grace Brown. Um, this story has uh, since been immortalized in film uh, with uh, A Place in the Sun, uh, as well as inspiring several books and the opera An American Tragedy. I don't know. Did you ever see A Place in the Sun? I did, and I didn't realize it was based on a true story. Me neither. Me or neither. And, like, I, I kind of found that out. Like, I don't know. That that film's kind of, like, burned into my mind as, like, one of the, like, classics in a way. And I don't even know, you know, I don't know how long ago I saw it, but... Have you I, been to the area upstate? No, not, not to Big Moose Lake. I mean, I've been through the Adirondacks. I don't know if where I was, um, you know, it, it was anywhere near that, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the Adirondacks is a pretty big, big place. I mean, there's different, you know, definitions, I think, of uh, upstate New York. <laughs> and it's definitely one of the more upstate upstates, right? It's, like, more in the center, for those who don't know. It's, like, kind of in a pretty rural area for New York. Um, you know, it's kind of in the middle-ish, more toward, like, if you're driving from New York up, uh, you know, I think it's more towards sort of Canada. But um, it, but it's pretty big. Um, there's there's a... It's, there's a lot of uh, lakes and, uh, you know, bodies of water up there. Um, and it's a place that people love to camp. You know, it's, it's a lot of natural beauty up there. It's a mountainous, for, you know, for the East Coast. And, um, yeah, so. Just stay um, away from the ticks. Stay away from the ticks, yeah. <laughs> we need to do an episode on ticks. Um, so, so yeah, uh, yeah, the Adirondacks. Um, oh, and, the, yeah, and this film, you know, it, like I said, it was like kind of burned in my memory. It's like, just seems like one of these like very fifties plot lines almost. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like we do some of these ghost stories and you're like, this sounds like a very like, you know, 1800s (laughs) story or something like this. And something about this is very like 1900s. Right. Like, I Mm -hmm. don't know, just the whole, like the sociological side of it, I guess. But, um, okay. But, um, regardless, um, this all happened uh, in the Adirondacks at Big Moose Lake. Um, but it all started in the summer of um, 1906 uh, when Grace Brown moved from her dairy farm in Chenango County and came to work in uh, Cortland at the Gillette Skirt Factory. Uh, just <laughs> the idea there's like a skirt factory. I don't know. There's some sort of. Did like, they transition to uh, razors later, or is that just a? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, oh, the Gillette, the Gillette part. Yeah. I, who knows? I mean, you know, like these like old ass American, you know, corporations can definitely uh, have some like weird twists and turns like that. But I don't know if there's any connection there. But it struck me as very sort of like Confederacy of Dunces, just the idea of a skirt factory. But uh, regardless, um, so it was there that she met uh, Chester Gillette. Uh, who was the nephew of the factory owner. So Chester had been hired by his uncle in an attempt to uh, rein him in. He had been sort of bouncing around from place to place, drifting here and there. Um, you know, and so I think this this um, position he gave him was meant to give him a bit of responsibility and try to like... He was kind of a, like a playboy. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Rich, Rich kid. kid. Yeah, playboy, like kind of just like bouncing around, doing whatever... Um, so, um, it is there that they meet, um, both working together. Um, and so there's obviously some level of attraction, attraction between them as they begin dating secretly. And I should say here that, you know, some of this, you know, comes out in sort of subsequent trials. Some of this is like a lot of lore, right? And so 
it's hard to tell with this story, like what's, you know, been supposed and what's actually known, you know, but there are sort of certain facts around the, around the, um, around the case. So, um, okay. But you know, they did start dating secretly. Um, and, and, you know, it's supposed that Chester, you know, if you haven't figured it out, was kind of a dick and you know, for whatever reason he believed or, or he believed the people surprise, around surprise. her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, saw her station as beneath him, right? She's like a factory worker. He's like the son of the, you know, whatever he is. And so, so it was kept secret. Right. Um, so he, he would not have tagged her on social media. No, no, that, that, this, that, this definitely wouldn't have been Facebook official. So, um, so, you know, at, at least to him, it seemed like the family would see it. So, so, you know, and a lot of what I read, he's sort of like described as a good catch for that time, right? And I said, emphasize, underline for that time, right? Because, you know, he's just like a rich kid, right? Like it's not right. like much going on, but except that he's like kind of like, I, th- I guess, handsome and, you know, um, but, you know, a good catch by 1900 standards. Uh, but either way, they were young and ostensibly in love or, or at least sort of in lust. Um, and in May of 1906, uh, Grace becomes pregnant. So she tells him, and um, it is quickly decided that she's going to go back to her family while they figure, figure things out, right? So obviously, you know, the, the time period, certainly her as an unwed mother is perceived as a problem for them both, right? So she mm-hmm. goes away to sort of like, you know, see out her pregnancy, um, and they stay in corns- correspondence. Um, and then during that time, it's believed that she, you know, begged him to marry her. Um, and they go back and forth about it. And um, so one day in, in July, she gets a letter that, um, you know, telling her to come um, on a getaway uh, with him to the Adirondacks. Um, so again, there's a lot of speculation here, but it assumed that she thought the, you know, the purpose of this was that they were going to get married or something like that or engaged or something. So she goes. Um, and, you know, the, they begin their trip bouncing around a little bit. They start in Utica for one night, then to Tupper Lake and then back towards Utica um, before eventually they stop at uh, Big Moose Lake. Um, so Big Moose Lake, just for some context, uh, you know, it's about um, three miles long, one mile wide. I mean, it's like decent sized. Um, you know, it's, it's covers, you know, 1200 acres, 70 feet at its deepest point. Right. So this isn't like some small little place, but it's not the most giant place in the world. And, um, it originally take, took its name from, um, a nearby settlement, um, Big Moose, which was founded by hunters. Right. So it's a rustic place. You can rent canoes. And so, um, there they rent a canoe and they go out on the lake for the afternoon. So it's big enough that they can kind of, you know, be not seen um mm-hmm. so you know around early evening um you know another strange detail is that like he like she left they left all her luggage at the train station but he brings all his luggage with him like on the rowboat or something and on that luggage he, um he has a uh, tennis racket attached to it so it's believed that he um hits her in the head with a tennis racket knocking what? her into the water and so I think the idea was to more oh knock, knock her into the water. Yeah. And he knew from a letter that she had sent um, that she couldn't swim. 
So, uh, so Grace tragically drowns in the lake. And so, you know, it's believed oh, that. Oh, God. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty awful. I mean, just it's, it's so sad. Like, you know, you can imagine just from her perspective, she probably had zero idea. No, totally. The, like, the, you know, she thought she's on this romantic getaway. and. Yeah, God. yeah. Or at least not about to be murdered. Right. right. Like whatever she right. thought, like that probably wasn't it. Right. And so, um, and it's all very like strange how he went about everything. Right. Like it's like very hastily thought out. Like obviously he thought he was going to sort of just drown her. That would be the end of it. But, um, you know, well, if he's like gotten away with everything else in his life, maybe, up until this maybe point, something. You know, probably I think he's just a dummy like or something, but, or just like, you know, um, I mean, I guess you'd have to be like an extra level of, you know, piece of shit to like be good at murder. <laughs> you know, like I don't know, like you know. But um, so he um, he flees to um, this uh, hotel motel, the Arrowhead, um, and uh, her body is um, found soon after, and it's immediately suspicious, right? Like there's she has like uh, abrasions and things like that. Um, uh, she has, you know, bruises on uh, on her head, and uh, you know, it's just uh, it's it's suspicious. And I think even the way that I, I don't think he contacted the police, but I think he would like, you know, kind of like change the story around with them. But basically, said that, you know, she was like going to, um, uh, um, you know, kill herself or whatever. And he tried to stop her, and then he was all upset or whatever. But basically, there's an autopsy and reveals sort of like I said, the bruises on her head and most importantly that she was four months pregnant. Right. So there's ample evidence of foul play here and yes. motive and motive. Yeah. And an added tragedy. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, Gillette is quickly arrested. Um, uh, you know, during the, during the trial, um, you know, the defense claimed that, uh, um, Grace had actually jumped into the lake to try to commit suicide and you know that you know they looked at some letters where that she mentioned she wanted to die or something like that obviously it's a bunch of bullshit but um they said that you know gillette stood up to save her and the boat capsized and you know just like these like sort of wild stories about why you know why it happened the way it happened or whatever but um basically the da insisted that he had hit her over the head and then did nothing to save her uh, while she drowned, right? So sort of basically watched her die. Um, so on December 5th, 1906, um, after uh, just about five hours of deliberation, um, a jury found um, Gillette guilty of murder in the first degree, uh, and he was sentenced to death, uh, actually by um, electric chair. And there's like weird, again, weird details Wait, around. back then they had... Well, huh? I didn't realize they had electric chairs back then. Well, yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I thought, I thought that was like sort of a convention of those times, right? Like, they didn't they get rid of them after a while? Like, they're pretty brutal. Yep. I don't know, but yeah. So he died by the electric chair. Um, and there's reports that he was like calm and and smiling even when he was sort of sentenced, right? And so. There's a lot to sort of suggest. Sociopath. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> you know, like... At least. Yeah, yeah, at least something like that, right? Um, so, um, so 
you know, nearly, well, well over 100 years later, um, you know, Big Moose is still a well-known, uh, if, if remote, sort of tourist spot. Uh, and many, you know, visitors still go there, uh, you know, to sail, to row, to go out on the, go out on the lake, canoe, um, you know, just do, do what you do around, uh, you know, camp around there, do what you do around a lake. Um, and then for basically a hundred years since then, um, people have been, as they've been doing this, people have been, um, seeing Grace Brown sadly wandering the shoreline, um, you know, there's been sightings of her sort of doing this floating around, around there, um, continually um, around Big Moose Lake um, since then. And so the figure is often uh, or sometimes witnessed drowning, which is like pretty horrifying, right? To think that you're like, I mean, normally you think of a ghost sort of like floating along, like, you know, but people right. are actually like sort of like watching her. So it's like a reenactment, life. almost like a, yeah. one, of, one yeah. of the, like an echo Kind of totally, totally. Which I actually found in a few of these mm-hmm. like stories. I didn't cover this one, but there was another one that was like about like the Civil War and stuff where mm. Oh yeah. Where they were like people would go and like see like Civil War fighters like having this battle over and over again. Which is like kinda wild. Um mm-hmm. but um but yeah, so people would see her um drowning, walking along the shoreline, sort of sad. Um and then um Sometimes she'll actually visit uh, small cottages and settlements nearby, and for whatever reason, she turn she seems to turn off all the lights in the houses. So that's one thing she's known to do is like, you know, like you're you're there standing maybe a little cabin or something like that. All of a sudden, the lights will all go out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty heartbreaking story, but even more heartbreaking when you sort of think about this whatever. You know, I, I still don't know if we were really gotten to the bottom of like all these ghosts are, but you know, like w- clearly there's some pain that sort of stuck to this place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the idea of like whatever this you know energy is, whoever this you know phenomena represents, it's still hanging around in this sad, uh, mournful sort of way. It's 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 sad, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, so that's the that's the story of Grace Brown and the Big Moose Lake haunting. Wow, I it, I I am thinking about like our one of our first Spooktober episodes. I think we like did the different ghost types. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> totally. Um, and one of them is that you know almost like the echo, the sense of the echo, or the you know it's like sort of a repetitive right. kind of thing that happens over and over again and not necessarily attached to any kind of actual intelligence what do you think's going on here i don't know because i mean you know some of these it's like i think like the one we did um was that last time or the one before the the one about the uh, tsunami Mm -hmm. right where it's just like some of these um spirits hadn't gone into the light Right, right. Like they get that. trapped. Kind they get of sort of this. trapped. They're just like sort of yeah. so. Oh, it's so such sad. a weird, you know, unexpected moment. It's like they can't quite process it, so they don't quite right. know what to do. I, I feel like it's almost like too long for that to be the case. I don't know how it works though. But like, right. But I mean, I then you hear about that. people talking about how they just don't have a sense of time, where right, maybe they're right. only like flatlined for putting, five minutes or or less or something. But it seems like you know they have. 
so much happened in that time. So it's almost like time can be condensed or potentially stretched right. out. And well, you that's know, not a so hundred years for whatever phenomenon is, right? That's right. our hundred years, but like, but the way time works, who knows? Maybe yeah. if somebody hasn't processed something and they're kind I don't of, know. I just like yeah, it I don't know. breaks but my heart to think about. I know, <laughs> someone like hanging it's out so for that long, but I, know. I don't know. I feel like it could be, it could be an echo too, right? Like, I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that they're seeing. The drowning makes me right. think it's an echo. Or but, it could be, uh, I mean, it's sort of like my go-to at this point, but like it could be, you know, just, uh, you know, a combination of maybe, you know, an echo, but then also maybe something a little more malevolent that's attracted to the tragedy that occurred there and hmm. is exploiting it a little bit. Yeah, the but attention. there doesn't seem there's know. much there beyond sort of sightings, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that happens more when there's like escalating and escalating Mm-hmm. sort of scary things right more that but this is just like people kind of see her walking around mm-hmm. kind of looking sad um but i don't know i don't know i was thinking about just like you know reading about that i feel like i should have done <laughs> the the um the civil war one where it's just like these places that like the sort of tragedy permeates like I wonder if it's an echo and I wonder sometimes if it's just like sort of transcendent of time in a way, right? Like it's so the energy, whatever it is, the energy matter, whatever, it's so painful. It's so intense that you're, there's like a weird connection with the past or something like it's not an echo. It's almost like you're hearing it taking Hmm. place real time. Do you know what I mean? In some weird way, right? Like it's just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's interesting though. You know, there's an idea that there's an echo, but there's also just like, you know, we know time's kind of an illusion, right? So like, you know, an illusion of the senses. And so just this idea that things can happen in a way that we feel them before and we feel them after. Right. Almost like they're amplified. Yeah. Right. Kind of like the way that you would see light from a distant galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that, which I guess is sort of what an echo is, but I don't know what I'm saying, but something a bit bit more like real like like when you see yeah light from a distant galaxy or from even from just from a star it's like it's happening now to us even though it happened however many years ago Mm -hmm. and we're just sort of seeing that image of it and i guess we're always seeing sort of images of stuff that already happened (laughs) you know like i don't know (laughs) we should do an episode on time but yeah um, we need to i mean that's on the list right yeah so all right. Do you want to do you want to do one? Do you want to keep going? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do one. I'll hop in here. So okay. um, the first place that I picked um, has a, a lot going on, and I just picked a few different ones, different stories associated with it. But this is on my list. Like I really want to go here. I've never been, and it's Yosemite. I don't okay. know if you've been. Yes. Oh wait, no, okay. no, 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 no. Sorry, no. I haven't. Okay. I've been to Yellowstone, okay. but. No, I've always wanted to go there, but I have not been to Yosemite. So it's located in the Sierra Nevada mountains in Northern California. Um, Yosemite National Park spans 747,956 acres or 1,168 square miles. So it is enormous. Wow. It's hard to wrap your head around that much. Yeah, it really is. uh, That much space. Um, and it's renowned for its natural wonders, of course, um, the towering sequoia trees, the glaciers, granite cliffs, 
crystal clear streams and lakes, cascading waterfalls, amazing wildlife, and it's a world heritage site and it attracts around four to five million visitors each year. But it's as much a place of mystery as it is majesty and it's spawned more than its share of paranormal and spooky tales. So from Bigfoot to the night crawlers, those walking pants we covered a few episodes <laughs> back. And, and there are also a lot of um, mysterious vanishing. So missing 411 style, you know, ex things that happen where people go missing and there's no explanation as to why. And of course, ghost stories. So this first one I'm gonna do is the ghost of Grouse Lake. And spooky sightings uh, by park rangers have been popular on YouTube and podcasts in the last few years. I've been, I love them. Personally, I love a spooky wilderness story. Mm -hmm. um, but someone often considered to be the United States' very first park ranger apparently started the trend. So his name was Galen Clark, and he was the first park ranger in Yosemite and allegedly in the nation. He began work as a ranger in 1867. He patrolled the park and he also tended to the small Yosemite Valley Pioneer Cemetery where about 45 people are buried and only 36 of them have headstones. And before then, he was apparently a frequent hiker in the area. So this took place before he became a park ranger. It was a September day in 1857 and Clark set out on a long hike to a small alpine lake called Grouse Lake, and it sits at 7,200 feet elevation in the southwest corner of Yosemite National Park. It's just extremely gorgeous, and we'll post pictures. When he got there, Clark was resting by the shore when he started hearing something that sounded like crying coming from the direction of the water, which made no sense. He's by the lake. Where is it? And he described it as, quote, a distinct wailing cry, somewhat like a puppy when lost. And he assumed it was coming from a lost dog that was owned by area Native Americans. So later that night, after he left the spot, he joined a group of Native Americans at their hunting camp, and he mentioned these sounds that he'd heard earlier. And this is his account and his words of their response. Quote, they replied that it was not a dog, that a long time ago an Indian boy had been drowned in the lake, and that every time anyone passed there, he always cried after them, and no one dared go into the lake, for the boy would catch them by the legs and pull them down, and they would be drowned. I then concluded that it must have been some unseen waterfowl that made that cry, and at that time I thought that the Indians were trying to impose on my credulity, but I am now convinced they fully believe the story they told me. So according to the lore, the spirit still calls out to hikers, people still hear this cry near the lake, and a lot of times it'll be pretending to be calling for help and attempting to lure them to the water. And of course, just like any, you know, we know from our forest mimics episode, don't follow a voice in the yeah, wilderness no. that you don't know. Even if it sounds like somebody that's a friend of yours or a relative, don't don't follow it. 
Yeah. Because it just doesn't lead anywhere good. So this voice is trying to lure people into the water so that they will drown. It's it's not good. And there's another similar legend um, in the park, and it surrounds the waterfalls. So this is, it comes from a story from the Awani tribe. And according to the, the legend, two women ventured out on a warm spring day and began either gathering grasses for baskets or picking berries, depending on which source. And they were working near the water's edge by the top of a waterfall. And all at once, this mist-shrouded wind began swirling near them, near the water. Mm. And one of the young women moved too close to the edge of the water, and all at once, it sucked her in, made a terrifying shrieking noise, and hurled her down the falls into the rocky waters below. So, I know, horrible. The chief at the time blamed an evil, uh, like, siren-type spirit named the Pohono, that inhabits the mist and cautioned everyone in the tribe from going near the waterfalls after that. So it was said that the woman's spirit, along with others who'd met a similar tragic fate, were imprisoned in the water. So they were stuck there until they were able to lure someone else to their doom. So it's kind of like this endless chain, and then they would be released. And tragically, hikers do die in the falls and you know just in 2011 three people fell from the top of yosemite's vernal falls to their deaths so this is an area of of tragedy wow and then i have one more and it's the ghost of camp number six so uh, this is just a short one but the story takes place um in yosemite at Camp number six, and it's an area that's supposedly used for parking now. But legend has it that one night a camper hung himself from the wood frame of his tent. Um, The tents there, and you know, we can post a picture of this. They're very sturdy and they have wooden frames. And so, you know, he died this way. And since then, there have been multiple reports of people seeing his body swinging from the tent frame. And according to the reports, the best time for seeing this ghost is between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., the witching hour, Mm. so it's not surprising. And uh, those are some Yosemite ghost stories. Wow. Those are really interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how, like, these places, for whatever reason, like, it's definitely a thing that like tragedy sort of begets tragedy and, and sort of draws it to it. Right. These places, they just start, you know, and however, whatever your worldview on like what those forces is, <laughs> you know, like whether it's right. all just purely psychological or if there are something there, like what's the difference? Cause like it, that's still the reality. And so I don't know, it's really interesting. Um, scary, spooky, uh, that there's these falls that sort of like you would think people would just be like staying the fuck away from it or something. Right. I don't know, but. Right. I mean, and there's something like in our psyche that kind of urges us on. Like often. we want to go see. We're like, we want to go see. do We're, it. It's something it, it, to be revealed you, to me, you know, right. or something. Or, yeah, yeah, like I, I, 
I mean, I remember um, visiting Washington State and um, visiting my dad in the hospital and looking out the window and I could see the mountain in the distance and there was almost something it felt like it was calling to me. I know that sounds hokey, oh, wow. but I could feel this pull. And I'm not a mountain climbing person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never done it in my life. You know, aside from just like, you know, going up a hiking trail in a mountain. But sure. um it, yeah, that's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, places can definitely draw you to them for lots mm-hmm. of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and the mist the mist monster spirit mist yeah spirit. the it's mist pretty, spirit it was like an, a combination of like mist creepy. and wind and yeah. that really that that one freaks me out i have recurring yeah. nightmares i think i've mentioned in oh, the really? past of tornadoes oh, and so right. to me that's, that's almost right. something that's kind right. of similar it's like yeah seeing um like something that is unseen the air mm. takes shape you know there's right. something uh, astonishing and terrifying about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this thing that like, obviously it can be so forceful that like you can't get your hands around the idea that of something inhabiting it, like the wind right. Right, is pretty, right. but it can take any shape mist. at once and disperse and but the idea gather it well. Living in the mist is also like pretty, pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Totally scary. Um, okay. Do you want to hear my, my second one? My other yeah. one? Yeah. Yes, okay. please. All right, so um, this one is the story of the Holy Ghost campground. So 14 miles. I'm excited about this one. You are? I was kind of looking at it, but I don't know too much about it. I I, I passed on it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty old legend, um, but definitely with some, like, real phenomenon sort of surrounding it. But uh, basically 14 miles outside of Santa Fe, which really isn't that far. Um, you know, uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, there's a campsite uh, that's considered to be the most haunted campground in the state. Um, so, you know, t- to me, New Mexico is is kind of a mystical place. Uh, you know, it's much like many of the sort of desert towns in that part of the continent, like Son- Sonoma, Sedona, and, you know, or even it's sort of like, Sedona's evil twin, Jerome, <laughs> right? Like just, there's these, there's these towns there that just, I don't know, to me, they have like another, there's like an extra level of energy or, or, or there's something like extra mysterious or, or sinister, like in Jerome's case about some of these places. And I think Santa Fe is definitely one of them. And I mean, even though, you know, f- you know, uh, 14 miles isn't, isn't that far, but I mean, I guess, in you know, out there, it's like you go pretty quickly into rural areas, out into the desert, right, from from town. But still, um, there's just something particularly strange about that mix of the sort of um, spiritual and the spooky, <laughs> you know, that sure. that the desert has for me. That um, I think the ho- holy uh, the Holy Ghost campground is sort of a perfect example of. Yeah, um, and so you know, also like many such places out there in the desert, um, it's a story that begins with conflict. Uh, and this one starts with the death of a priest. So Holy Ghost gets its name, um, from the Holy Ghost Creek, uh, that runs by the Picos mountains. Um, no doubt named by one of the missionaries that arrived there, uh, in the middle of the century. 
certainly it had a you know its own name before that um but uh um called the holy ghost um by some of the missionaries sort of settling around there and as the local legend goes um in august 1680 the pueblo uh indians led a revolt against the spanish that were occupying that area and drove them out um the basically the you know the revolt succeeded and um all of the spanish left except for one priest uh who most likely sort of stayed behind to try to uh convert the locals to christianity the pueblos it said however did not oblige um and they held them account they held him accountable um for the spanish's many sins uh including you know the slavery and all the torture that they had endured um at the spanish uh, um you know people's hands um and so they um they killed him at least that's how the legend goes uh but in fact there's another uh telling of the story <laughs> that's the opposite and that is that um it was the priest who who killed the pueblo but certainly no matter of the the, the facts um uh you know whatever happens um you know the the fact of the matter is that um you know eventually uh you know what the priest stood for a foreign power religion progress eventually wiped them out so whatever exactly happened there right like the result was kind of the same and that is that uh you know the the you know that you know that place was sort of left empty and haunted um by this single priest um so um you know there may be this uh catholic uh priest spirit among the trees out there um a ghost that's been wandering the woods ever since then um and so people say that they they see this um uh you know priest or sometimes they'll see it as shadows walking through the trees um you know some say it's the spirits of the pueblo indians walking through the woods uh, you know, it sort of depends on, you know, the, the um, you know, the person who's seen it. Uh, but there's also been other occurrences in the area, right? So there's, there's been, um, it has a way of sort of drawing a sort of negative energy to it. Uh, you know, there have been gruesome car accidents, um, deadly fights between bikers, uh, and even a missing state trooper um, that has been reported sort of in and around this campground. So you know obviously this like kind of a dark place <laughs> for whatever reasons like whether this story was sort of transposed yeah. over that or or the impetus for it um uh certainly certainly is a place with a lot of sort of paranormal occurrences and a lot of them being sort of like having this sort of sinister quality like i think you know a lot of the sightings you know of of whatever sort of shadows that people see walking around out there like there's definitely like a feeling of something sinister there but also just like the idea of like all these car accidents and fights and like sort of violence um kind of reminds me of point pleasant right like mm -hmm. sort of starts with this like kind of atrocity uh you know on some of the native americans there you know um in that case starting with sort of the the execution of a, of a chief um but in this case like you know who knows what exactly happens but um, like a cursed land. Cursed land, basically, mm -hmm. right? And so occasionally chanting is heard. Um, 
when people walk through the forest and sometimes even mysterious lights can be seen floating through the trees. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the story of the Holy Ghost Campground. Wow. Um, have you ever been there or near there? I mean, I've been I've been to Santa Fe and around there. I don't know mm-hmm. if I remember going to there, going to the Holy Ghost. I haven't camped around there. I went hiking in a bunch of places around Santa Fe, but I think I would have remembered... I don't know. I think I would have remembered it, but I think it is more of like a like an actual campground, a campsite, right? Yeah. So I don't know if like people are necessarily. This one, even more than the last one, kind of seems to make a case for residual energies, you know, negative energy. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and like you know, um, residual negative energy, but also just like you know, some of the um, atrocities that were sort of enacted on you know, the Native Americans at at a particular time, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost cliche, the idea of sort of like a Native American curse of some kind, but, but I don't know, I feel like, you know, it's just, it's kind of my opinion, (laughs) you know, but like some of the like, you know, um, heinous acts of people at that time towards Native Americans who in a way, and, and from my point of view, were perhaps more in harmony with nature like just had a they were like more felt or something they were more Mm -hmm. extra you know evil (laughs) if you will like i mean if there is one but like and that somehow you know you know uh or maybe it was because the you know kind of the land wasn't used to that sort of obviously there was sort of violence and war and things like that but it was just less you know I, i i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say but i think that there's a lot of stories in America like this, right? Like mm-hmm. a place that like where, you know, some of these first um, interactions, uh, you know, with, um, you know, the, the um, you know, the Spanish and the English and just sort of the um, settlers and the colonialism that sort of happened there. And like, I don't know, these these first like, um, you know, acts of violence, uh you know you know permanently stained these places right and i think that there's a lot of examples of that probably more than we know and have you ever experienced that or what had do you a, mean? um just had a sense of that when you've been in a place well i would say um point pleasant definitely yes but there's also so much other stuff there that's like you know who knows why you feel that way, but like I definitely went out to like the the um, TNT area. I think I talked about it on this show before, but I definitely went out to the, like you know the TNT area where the Mothman's supposed to be and all that, and like like an owl, like a white owl, like swooped down in front of our car. Like, it was Whoa. like really fucking spooky, and it like really felt negative, mm-hmm. like there. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, and it it was a similar feeling to, um, you know, when I went to um, Auschwitz and, you know, there's, there's definitely a negative energy to that place that like, it's palpable. Like you, you feel it, you feel it in the air and you can like see it in the trees, like the places like absorbed it. And -hmm. I had that feeling in Jerome too. But again, I don't know. I mean, Jerome had a lot of you know, fucking weird shit happening to it oh, from for centuries. So 
but you know a lot of them here in, in the states you know i think there was there was a um there was something with the, the native americans too with there too i don't know at what point in jerome's history i don't know if it started with that but there was definitely it's definitely woven in there so i would say yeah like not in the sense where i'm like Ooh, I, f I feel like there's a Native American curse here. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that, like, I've been to places in the, in the United States where, you know, uh, um, had a Nate that felt you could feel something like that there and mm -hmm. where atrocities like that had also taken Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember I was in Germany and I was at the site of a World War II battle and slept overnight. This is in my 20s. Oh, and right. I had. Oh, my God. Horrif a horrifying nightmare that felt so it was like a lucid dreaming type nightmare oh my god it was unusually vivid and unusually and it, it just felt like the air was saturated with this kind of trauma huh yeah i believe it so yeah i mean i don't see why you know i mean that you know um i don't see why that wouldn't be the case right we know we're mm -hmm. all sort of how potent psychic energy is and just the idea that it would be absorbed you know conversely i've been to places the opposite right mm -hmm. like i've been to mm -hmm. places that had absorbed the opposite sort of spectrum of energy where you go in there like oh my god like people have been experiencing much different things here you know uh, um than that so um anyways uh, so you want to go next? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this next one is uh, the Malakoff Diggins Campground, which is located in Northern California's Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park. And it's near North Bloomfield, which is a ghost town that is remarkably preserved and it dates back a century and a half to gold rush times. So you can actually camp out near a ghost town, which is super cool. I would love to do that. And the most haunted spot in the park is supposed to be the old wooden schoolhouse, which was built in 1872. And it is located right like literally right next to the town cemetery <laughs> which <Okay. laughs> is a great location for a graveyard um like maybe old west children were harder to creep out or something and <laughs> well i don't know i feel like that was more typical in small towns though like i don't know like yeah, i feel yeah, like... like it's right by the school so like you go out to recess yeah. and you're like running around the gravestones and being reminded of your mortality at a very young age i don't know but i feel like back in you know the, the day mm -hmm. people would like you know bury people on their land and like yeah, there were cemeteries sort of in the middle of the town i don't know i feel like it was more embraced in a way that was actually right. like kind of better but i don't right. know and I, I just had to make some jokes okay okay <laughs> um so anyway the the uh the school though is sadly rumored to be the site of a horrible murder and the horrifying legend states that the head schoolmaster killed one of the students and then proceeded to hang the body from the upstairs rafters. Jesus. So he was like a complete monster. And to this day, visitors can still see the rafters. So you can go in there, you can see them and there's apparently a creepy looking ladder that leads up to them and people bring equipment trying to catch EVPs and, uh, you know, cameras and so forth. And 
in 2006, actual photographic evidence of a ghost was captured. And it circulated in the press, but it's not from the schoolhouse. But it is from that town. A maintenance mechanic who worked at the park named Sonny Lopez was visiting the Skidmore House, a cottage that was built in 1862 by the local saloon owner. And I'll read you an excerpt from the Union, which published the story in 2007. On November 22nd last year, Lopez, 55, took a photograph of the rear window on the left side of the house. According to him, the snapshot taken with his Pentax uh, 3.2 megapixel camera shows a ghostly face of a woman in one corner of the window. We will post that on our site and Instagram so you guys can see it, but there is like a figure visible in this photograph. I moved here in July 2006, Lopez said. I hadn't put any curtains on any of my windows. My wife wanted curtains that had an old-time look, so I started taking pictures of the curtains on the windows of the Skidmore house. So he's doing it for decor reasons. (laughs) And he captures a ghost. It was in the afternoon that I took the picture. I took it with a digital camera and was going through all the pictures I'd taken before showing them to my wife. I noticed something in the corner of the window. I zoomed in and could see a face in the corner. From the photo, Lopez said that he thought the face was framed with curly hair and wasn't pretty. (laughs) Pretty judgy. Um, He said he had no clue who it could be. At the park, Lopez takes care of the generators, does water treatment, carpentry, and plumbing. Before coming to Malakoff Diggins, he lived in Chico. According to Lopez, this is not the first time he's had a paranormal experience at the state park. In the house where he lives, a two-story building built in 1880, both he and his wife have heard unexplained noises like doors shutting or thumping sounds against the bed. But Lopez is undaunted. Quote, as long as they don't jump out at me, materialize, and stomp around my house, it doesn't bother me, he said. You get used to the little things that happened, and sometime when a big thing happens, you realize, oh, there's something. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I just kind of love that idea, though. Like, he's innocently taking photos of some old ghost townhouse, and, and then he captures a real ghost. Oh my God. I feel like that's like, I don't know. I feel like um, there's probably like a lot of like occurrences like that. I feel like when you're like really trying to like find a ghost, like people are like cannot find one. But then like when they're not like not trying to, <laughs> like here we are. I don't know. So I've got another one. And this one is Cameron Park, Texas. And there are a few stories that come out of this place. Uh, Cameron Park is a 400-acre park, so it's not that big. It's located near Waco, and it may not be the largest on our list, but it definitely has a lot of paranormal activity, apparently. So the first is an old staircase known as Jacob's Ladder, which is creepy in itself. (laughs) And it's located in the south side of the park. And it was built in the 1900s by a family that lived there, apparently on top of a bluff. So the staircase is 88 steps high, and it ascends to the top of the steep bluff. So it looks pretty scary if you're afraid of heights. It kind of like weaves around, like snakes around, and then you get to the top of the bluff. 
But even scarier, it's reportedly haunted. According to the local lore, if a man and woman walk up the steps at night, they'll be joined by a super creepy and apparently pervy entity because the woman will feel invisible hands pulling at her clothing. So that's a note from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's like definitely something like teenagers were like, okay, like it's like a rite of passage to like right. walk up you, that, you know, to dare it. Right. Or this next one, which is the witch's castle. Okay. <laughs> so it's located in the park's forested area. Uh, it's a structure uh, that is basically ruins now. And it sits on the highest point of the park in a three-acre area. It was once a house, and it was built in, depending on the source, the 1800s or the early 1900s. But it burned down in 1961, and there are several stories around it. Some of the remnants remain, so they're still there now, and they've taken on this mythical, scary, creepy status. And like any proper witch castle, it's said to be made of moldering stone. It's fenced off by these castle-like gates it has a turret style structures and even an altar in an area that's said to attract satanic activity Uh so right um so there are several different stories associated with the castle like in origin stories and the first one just states that a woman who practiced witchcraft like a witch but she wasn't it wasn't the nice kind lived there and people started going missing in the area and eventually locals decided that she was the cause so as they did back then they formed a mob they burned down the house she was still inside it um in the second account the woman who lived in the house either had a son or just the misfortune to live near a young boy and this kid this kid put damien to shame like he would invite his friends over for a play date and they'd never be seen again. So all of these area children went missing. And after a while, it was discovered that the boy was a budding serial killer who was murdering his friends and hiding their bodies in the woods. Yeah. Wait, how old was he again? I I don't know the age. He was a boy. I mean, he could have been a teenager. It could have been, who knows, 10. Anyway, but he's described as a boy. Serial killers as children. That's I mean, wild. they get their start early, I think. Some I know, of them. but there it's are usually some, but... like, you know, animals and other stuff. But yeah, I, I've I mean, never even heard of it. Maybe it was a teen. Or br- I, I don't know. It's still a but teenager. A boy, but a boy. Pretty, but, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, he, he got an early start. Um, anyway, again, people blamed the woman for the killings, proclaimed that she was a witch, burned down the house but the boy was never found, so maybe he's out there still. Mm. So, and yet another virgin, uh, version, which, <laughs> where did that Freudian slip come from? <laughs> um, the witch was actually a Victorian nanny hired to care for the wealthy Cameron family's children. So apparently the family that, you know, the park is named after that were, you know, very wealthy in the area. So although the Cameron family owned the forested property that surrounded their home, vagrants would often camp out there. And when the children went walking in the woods, this nanny would accompany them and chase off the vagrants with a switch. 
So she was very fierce, obviously not very popular with the locals, yeah. wasn't in, wasn't fun at parties. Nope. And then one day she got sick and died very quickly. But according to the legend, she didn't retire. And local vagrants still reported seeing her stalking the woods. And according to a quote by Bradley Turner, who was an associate professor in the area and author of the book Cotton Bales, Goat Men, and Witches, Legends from the Heart of Texas, quote, they would still see her ghost walking through the park chasing after them. She'd fetch a switch. In some cases, she would look frantic like she lost the children and she would attack the person thinking they had kidnapped them. In the winter, she would be carrying a lantern, crying out for them, and whenever she came across you, she would beat you with a switch or knock you senseless. And so this is, she's a very violent ghost. Yikes, yeah. um, some visitors claim to hear strange screams or wails in the area and even smell strange odors um, to this day. So there was a post on the site Weird US, right? Right? Anyway, they uploaded photos. They visited uh, the park and they looked for the, the witch's castle. And in their account, they said it took a while to find to the point where they almost gave up. But by happenstance, they finally stumbled across this trail that led to an old stairway where they found a castle-looking structure and what appeared to be an altar. And so to confirm all of this, they also found what looked like parchment paper. It was like yellowish parchment that had creepy Nazi and occult symbols on it and stuff like Satan spelled backwards. And... So they said, obviously, some visitors were taking the whole dark arts thing very seriously. Right. <laughs> Hopefully not doing anything harmful. Um, but some locals have since stated that they got the location wrong, and it wasn't the witch's castle at all. And apparently, the land was acquired by a businessman in 2014, and he decided to be a total buzzkill and turn the place into a recreation area for cyclists. <laughs> okay. Cyclists and Satanists. Yeah. Okay. Meetup group. Yeah, there you go. So there's another area um, in the park called Lover's Leap. Um, and this legend comes from a story retold by author Decca Lamar West in 1912. And in this version of the story, a daughter of the chief of the Wacos named Wawati fell in love with a young Apache man. And the Apaches were planning an attack on her tribe at the time, so this was you know, forbidden. But one day she went out to meet her love, but a member of her tribe followed her and then reported the meeting back to her father. So you kind of know where this is going. Her father and brothers determined to kill the young man, but before they could do it, Wawati and her lover embraced and leaped off a cliff together into eternity. So the cliff is now known as Lover's Leap, and according to the lore, when the moon and river are full, you can spot the couple on top of the cliff still. Which, you know, if the story sounds familiar, it's because it's very widespread as a trope. You, you know, there are numerous lover's leap stories throughout many different cultures all over original? the world. No, Supposedly. this is one of oh, them. Oh, this oh, is this one is of one them in, okay. in the area. In the area, yeah. Okay. And I... I have a couple. Do you have time for a couple sure. more yeah, that yeah, I pulled off it. Reddit? Just let's do it. Let's very, do it. very um, kind of like short, creepy sure. camping stories. 
Um, so this first couple were posted about seven years ago. Um, this first person said, this happened to me when I was little. I went camping with my older brother and my mom. I was about seven or eight, and I went to bed around 10 in a sleeping bag inside my tent with both my mom and brother. Sometime during the night, I don't know when, I woke up somewhere in the middle of the woods still in my, sweep my sleeping bag. I had no idea where I was or where my tent was. I screamed for my mom and I heard her calling back for me in panic, but she was easily 100 yards away or so. To this day, I have no idea how I ended up in the middle of the woods, still inside my sleeping bag. Gives me the chills. Uh, <laughs> like you're seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like how does that happen? Yeah. And the sleeping bag. Yeah. You know, you'd say, well, sleepwalking, but the sleeping bag? Sounds like aliens. Sounds like aliens or Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Or, 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 yeah, ghosts. So this next one says, one of my college professors told us his story. He was camping in the Cordillera Mountains and had his own tent. He woke up in the middle of the night to find a woman with unkempt hair and torn and bloody clothing crawling on all fours toward him Yikes! he screamed and woke up woke up it was a dream when his friends rushed to his tent to see what was the matter he told them about his dream and a few of them became visibly uncomfortable with all the color draining from their faces they insisted that they leave camp as soon as the sun came up it was only after they had left the mountains that his friends told him that several of them had shared similar dreams. Oof. Except in their dreams, they saw a woman crawling into my professor's tent. Wait, I have goosebumps. They all they all They saw all had the same dream. That it was except in his dream, same. this woman was crawling into his tent. And in their dreams, they saw her crawling into his tent. Oh my god. I just got goosebumps too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, one more. Okay. This story was told to me by my professor, who I trust very much. So, two professor stories. <laughs> Reliable witnesses. While he was camping and hunting in Montana, he had a strange vision. He was sitting on a hill looking for a deer to shoot, and out of the forest walks his elderly mother. He's taken aback because his mother lives in Slovakia and has never left her country. His mother says she loves him and walks away. At this point, my professor is freaking out. He packs up his stuff and goes back to town. He calls his mother overseas. She answers and laughs at his story. He still feels unsettled, so he gets a flight and flies back to see his mother. He spends a few lovely days with her. Then... The morning before he's about to go home, he wakes up to find his mother passed away in her sleep. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. Cool. Those are good. I mean, those are like, yeah, the, the one where the dream one was like extra creepy to me. It like kind of reminded me of what we were talking about. Um, there was that... Uh, um, uh, the episode from Radio Rental or whatever, where the guy, um, the girl sees like the the um, 
whatever the uh, sleep paralysis entity is, like this, like ha- the, the hag or whatever, sort of yeah, the hag. over top of him. That's right. We've talked about she that woke, before. She wakes up and sees this thing or thinks she has a dream, and then she tells him, it, and he's like, oh, my God, that is that is it, right? And just, like, whether she was awake or not, the fact that you can see what someone else is dreaming is fucking wild, right? Well, like that's, is it a dream? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the... I right. mean... That would it would make you think that someone else having the same dream as you would make you think that there's some I, level I, of reality I know we, to it. Yeah. We keep talking about it and we need to do it. And I think, you know, it's definitely on the list for very soon, but we need to delve into dream topics. Yeah. And, you know, one of the theories out there is that, you know, like when in your dreams, you're able to actually, you know, astral project and leave your body right. and that some of your dreams may in fact be real. And, so in this case, where they actually witnessed something, even if it was in a spirit realm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or are you even like, I mean, astral projection, right? Like there's just like you're more in touch with the sort of unseen world that isn't about distance or time or anything like that, right? Like it's like we were talking about earlier, right? Like some of these hauntings and stuff is this phenomena really happening over a long period of time like it you know or is it from its perspective you know all happening in one moment do you know what i mean and somehow it's being connected with other moments in time like are there like occurrences that i mean just like they say that with space right like space you theoretically you could connect very uh, um, very far apart points in space, right? Through like a wormhole, like essentially fold, touch the, you know, bend the sheet of paper and touch those two points together so that they're more connected in a very real way, even though they're millions and millions of miles away, right? And so I wonder if like time and, you know, in that way could be similar that there's different points in time that. Um, you know, different events that can have a very real uh, um, direct interaction with, uh, you know, a, a whole nother time. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Am I being clear? Or? So basically you're kind of saying that maybe like while you're sleeping, like the dream state allows you to kind of bend time a little bit sometimes. Maybe, or just even just some of these stories where we're talking about these sort of hauntings or ghosts mm-hmm. or like echoes or whatever that... Oh there's some other level of sort of contact yeah with that's another interesting time. yeah like it's not just a straight up it's spirit not. it's it encounters it's it's you know sometimes it can be you know where we're actually able to see through the veil of time yeah yeah exactly that it's a more like living echo as opposed to a dead one right like mm-hmm. we think we see like a, you know like it's like um I don't know that there's more of a real connection mm-hmm. and, and I think with these things that we're experiencing these feelings we have that there's a more real uh, um, interconnection that's all yeah I, I personally yeah that's that's really interesting I think we need to do a whole episode on that you know just like time the concept of time and yeah you know, like look into like yeah like Philip K. Dick's story I don't know if you know much about Philip K. Dick no okay you know the author, Philip K. Dick? I do, but oh, okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I mean, he has a pretty <laughs> wild, wild story about, mm-hmm. like, his connection with a very, very distant, 
time, right? Long ago, where he had this sort of connection with somebody from a very, very long time ago. And it was a very real connection to him and it had a huge impact on his life. Was and it like Somewhere in Time? It's Somewhere in Time. The movie? Like, oh, no, I the don't Christopher know. The Christopher movie? Oh. No, 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 no. No, it was like a <laughs> Roman centurion or something that he had, like, he exchanged, like, time with that he would, like, go there and, like, see through this man's eyes and this man would come here and see through his eyes. Like, it was, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not representing it very well. Wow. right now but he had this like very real connection with another point in time and i just i don't know i think it's interesting i feel like some of these stories are you know spooky story ghost stories are spooky ghost stories right <laughs> like there's a lot of them out there but you know when you think about these places uh you know that that sort of hold on to energies and we fo- we focus sometimes a little bit more on the spookier stuff right but there are like like I said earlier, like sort of the opposite, right? Like we've all like visited a beautiful garden or a cathedral somewhere that felt like it was transcendent, you know, transcendent, or yeah, that it had you know was was connected to a, a different type of vibration, right? So mm-hmm. like the sublime, the sublime, right? So you know, and and I think they're all sort of connected, and so I don't know. It's, all these stories, or a lot of these stories, just made me think about that. Um, I kind of wish I'd done the the Civil War one now because it's like, you know, these battlefields, it's like, you know, or yeah, like the talking about the Holocaust, like these places, like it's more than just this linear connection. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Time and place. It's like something transcendent. There's something like, um, I don't know, in the spirit of the world or in the spirit of man that uh, it's directly connected to. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Um, one thing I'll just like add on to that is, you know, we've talked about this in the past a little bit, but just the idea that, you know, day to day, our brains help us get the job done, live our lives in this earthly plane in a physical body and, you know, be rational, logical and make decisions and everything. But that there's a whole lot of reality that's filtered out. Mm, right, so there right. are certain states, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, taking certain drugs or near-death experiences or meditation or dream states, you kind of get a little more permeability and maybe you're able to experience things that you don't understand but that are, you know, part of a larger reality. Yeah, right. Like your experience sleeping on that um, battleground right Mm -hmm. like are you just hearing some dead echo or were you experiencing something more directly do you know what I mean yeah I don't know good question okay well (laughs) so if you guys out there have any (laughs) campfire stories you want to share whether it's haunted campgrounds or like just creepy experiences or even if it's something where it's like, you know, you just had a weird sense about something and it didn't feel right. We want to hear all those stories. We're going to do another listener Tales from the Shadows episode soon. We're collecting stories. And I just want to say thank you to the people who've written us such lovely reviews recently. I mean, yeah, they're, they're helpful and it just like warms my heart, you know? Yes. This really, really helps us keep going, and um, we really, really appreciate it. So if you're enjoying the show, leave us a rating and a review. 
wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and yeah just drop us a line drop us a dm follow us on instagram and we keep teasing this but we have we're super super close to getting our merch it's, up. it's in the store it's ready to pull the trigger <laughs> we just have a few bugs you know to work out and then we'll be ready to go yes all right cool well i feel like we did it we did it all right so Empire until next special. time yep. all right talk all to right. you soon bye Shadowland Podcast is produced by Seth Javlon and Christina Callard. Edited by Tim Kelly. Theme music by Tim Lincoln. Thanks, Tim. Thanks.